All right. Hello and welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Family Reflections. My name is Keddy Emanuel, and she is... Keenan Nicholas. And um, we're, we're here today with a topic that I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of shying away from, but I, I feel like I need to talk to you guys about it. Um, just to give you some context, um, I lost a, a member of the family um, recently, and uh, so this is all very fresh to me. And I like to be as as genuine with you guys as possible. And I couldn't really think of anything else that I wanted to talk about right now more than this. And what this is, is death. I want to talk about death. I want to talk about how it affects us, how we deal with it, how we get through it, um, and how it's a part of our lives that it's strange to me. It's not, yeah, I want to dig into it a little bit. Um, and Kina, um, I'm dragging you into this with me, <laughs> um, but I, I just want to really thank you for uh, being willing to talk to me about this and talk with me about this. Um, and uh, guys, I'll be honest with you guys, this might be a relatively short episode because um, uh, I don't know how long I want to talk about this for, um, but uh, yeah, we're in here and um, we hope you guys can join us as we we get into this a little bit. Can I do you have any thoughts? I'm just taking some really deep breaths before we get started. Um, because I too have lost someone very close to me, so it's a very touching topic. I tend to shy away from the whole conversation as it relates to death and especially having to open up about my experience um losing that person so let's get started yeah most definitely um so one of the first things i want to touch on is the fact that death death feels unnatural it seems like no matter how many times you've heard people say that uh yeah all of us are gonna die nobody's here forever life is short you hear all these things being said and then when it actually happens to someone that you love somebody that you know very well it seems like there's a problem it seems like there's a a a, a mistake like something something just happened that isn't supposed to happen right and i'm kind of confused on why that is like, why, why does that happen? Why do we feel like uh, death is something that went wrong all the time? What do you think? Um, it's, it's just how we react. It does feel surreal. It does feel unnatural. Um, and I guess, yeah, even when you're not directly in it, it does impact you some way or the other. You're, you have to get used to not seeing somebody that you're, always used to see it so it does seem surreal all right and yeah i don't know guys this this is going to be a tough one for me but um we'll get through it um so i know of some instances where there are some people who are together for so long right 
that mm-hmm. when one of them passes away, the other person falls ill, right? And now it sounds very romantic, okay? It's, it's a very romantic, like, you know, you had a story of stories of Romeo and Juliet, right? Where uh, one of them is like, I can't live without the other person. And, but it's kind of amazing to think that, no, this is actually a real thing. Like some people uh, will actually pass away if someone else passes away, you know, like, and not because of suicide, but actually because of a natural uh, illness that comes from the process of grief. You're, you're saying that, and it has happened. A lot of couples, especially those who've been married for years, you find that when one departs, the other one follows really closely. But recently I experienced that with not just um, that sort of relationship, but siblings. Um, a dear friend of mine passed away in Guyana, she's solution, and she was coming back home. On the day that she was supposed to come back home, she unfortunately passed away. Um, and she had this sister who kept saying, I want to go with her, I want to go meet my sister, also departed. So it, it, was, it was a first for me in that situation, having somebody depart in that way and then um, another relative following so closely. And it, it, it's not just traumatic, having to deal with one person, but can you imagine the trauma that the family experienced having to now bury um, two sisters? It, it, I don't even know how to put it into words. You, you're thinking that I want to go, I really want to go with this person, but I also get the feeling that it's also being selfish. It's like, what about the others? What about other family members who are leaning on you who are looking to you for support as well. So I, I don't know. It's, it's a sad and unfortunate situation. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I couldn't even imagine, you know, for me, what I see in, in, in the fact that this happens is just how connected people are, right? You, you have certain people who won't survive you being gone. Mm-hmm. And when, when you talk to someone who is suicidal, when you talk to someone who wants to take their own life, the general sentiment is that, nah, everybody's going to be fine. Yeah, everybody's going to be fine. You know, it, yeah. once I'm gone, you know, you know, life is just going to continue as normal. All the people I love will be just fine, just the same as they are without just without me in the picture. But the reality is, and I told a good friend this recently, um, we're all connected to the point that when you're sick, the ones you, you love are sick. When you pass away, there's a piece of the ones you love that is gone. That, that piece not only harms them um, emotionally and mentally, but also literally physically. People are physically harmed by your absence. And uh, I know someone who is suicidal might not want to hear this um, because, and we could go into the whole suicide discussion there, but, you know, I want to stay on topic. Um, but it's, it's just food for thought, in my opinion. Another thing that I find interesting here is um, 
How similar the feelings that accompany a breakup are to those who have loved the, lost a loved one. And as for just how similar those feelings are, I, I can't speak to just the degree of similarity, but there seems to be some similarity between the two. All right? Where mm-hmm. even going through a breakup, there, there seems to be a process of grief that you go through, which is similar to what you go through when you lose a loved one, right? Yes, definitely. Um, You go through the whole denial of the fact that um, you're not in a relationship anymore. Um, Then you have those anger emotions, you have the whole depression, um, and finally accepted it. Um, And even before that, you may want to negotiate with that person, try to get that person back. it's, it's similar. It's a similar process to dealing with um, death. And Miss um, Ross actually established those stages and she's saying that, you know, we may not all experience it, but let's, let's just discuss it. For those of us who have experienced going through all those stages, some of us who may have experienced um, going through two of those stages or three or one, um, but we all at some point experience something. So I don't know if you want to, if you want to delve into that right now. Yeah, well, just really quickly, you, you mentioned Miss Ross. Who's that? Um, she is actually the person who developed the five stages of grief, which is denial, um, anger, depression, bargaining, and acceptance. So, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. That's a very... It, it just makes me wonder how she developed those stages. Like, how did she... Um, I think it came about working with terminally ill patients and okay. seeing the whole process play out. So they go through denial and you find what well, is get this um, emotional feeling of anger. Then you're bargaining with God, you know, take me instead or I will go to church every Sunday if you bring this person back. And going through depression and then, then accepting the, the death basically not um, necessarily um, saying, you just simply realize that this person is gone when, you, when we speak of acceptance. Okay. It makes me wonder how some professionals, uh, medical professionals, um, law professionals, policemen, policewomen, um, firemen, firewomen, uh, how they deal with encountering death all the time. Like, what does that do? Social workers, too. What does that do to your, to your psyche? What does that do to you emotionally uh, when you're s- continuously encou- encountering death over a period of, let's say, a career of 30 years or 40 years? Like, what happens to those people, you know? That's why counseling is relevant. And also debriefing. Debriefing is a key part of any career that's, that deals with that sort of trauma. Um, you get to talk about it, you get to vent, you get to express those emotions. And over the course of, a, like you said, a career of 30 years, it, it, it sort of gets normalized. I don't know if you understand. It, it's like you're going for emotion. Yeah. You almost become numb. Yeah. 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 I think that just speaks to human beings' ability to adapt, right? We, we are very adaptable um, people where 
regardless of the situation, we tend to, you know, develop develop a level of detachment um, mm-hmm. out of it, right? But so what yeah. about what about you? Um, you lost someone very dear to you recently, um, and we we're talking about the stages of, of grief. Did you go through all those stages? Have you experienced any of the stages so far? So the stages are denial, anger, um, bargaining, bargaining, and depression. Um, for me, I think I went straight to um, I went straight to anger. Um, I think I skipped denial, um, and then from anger maybe i don't know for me i went from anger back to denial because <laughs> um like it seems like and i don't know if those stages are supposed to be experienced sequentially um they're, they're not linear that's the thing it's not in a straight line yeah okay because i went from anger and i feel like now it's almost like like I know consciously that this is something that happened, but mm-hmm. maybe subconsciously, I just feel like, eh, it's more like a movie, you know? It's not really real, you know? I think I think that's kind of where I'm at, um, and maybe that's just how I, that's how I'm deciding to cope or get through. Um, but I think that's where I'm at. Um, as but you that, did have some level of bargaining, right? Well, yeah, but I, I, for me, I would say bargaining more so in that just those feelings of, oh, if I knew, then I would, I would have tried to do this, so I would have tried to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I knew, then I would have um, used some different things to help out, you know, uh, stuff like that. Um, so I guess all of that falls underneath bargaining as well. Um, as for the depression part, um, for me, it's hard to see the line between just feeling sad and being depressed. So um, I think, I know I'm definitely sad, <laughs> but I don't know you're, that I can you're say. You're sad, but you're not to the point that you just want to stay in bed and not do anything and right. just not talk to anybody, not see the world. So, yeah, you're just sad. Yeah, like for me, I feel like sh- to make her proud, I have to keep moving with what she gave me, with what she taught me, with the strength that she tried to put inside of me, you know? Um mm-hmm. So that's where I'm at when it comes to that. So, yeah. Hmm. In, in my situation, it is surprising to me, but I haven't, I think I just accepted it. Any feelings of, anger and i wouldn't even say it was really anger it was it was not about the person dying it was about 
what became of the situation um, in the sense that I, I was very young at the time, right? And I, I guess I could say it. when my dad passed, I think I felt that anger at like after, after the funeral and after everything, at certain people, at, at just being mad at everybody, not being mad that he was dead. And I say this because it was like, nobody allowed me to cry. I didn't get the time to be sad. Yes, yeah, so I never cried um, <laughs> when my dad passed. It, it was like, you know, you get into this zone and you just keep going. You have to deal with this. You have to deal with that. You have to plan funeral and do everything else because I'm his only daughter and he only has the two of us. So it was just, you know, you're going to this numb zone where you don't right. even get to really realize that this person is gone. And you just plan everything and everybody's around you breaking down almost, but you have to be the strong one when you really don't want to be. So it was just, I, I didn't get to experience the emotions that I probably wanted to at the time. Um, and even now I feel a certain way about that, but I just, I just moved on and I've just been in that zone still not, right. not yet breaking down. So, when you you said that you were very young, how young are we talking? Um, let's say I was in form five. Okay, so so not not too young, right? Um, no, not very, not too young. Okay, I was a teenager. Okay. Yeah, but it was at a critical stage in my life, so it was. I think that made it more impactful the time that it happened. Right. Yeah. Um, so I have a theory and it's just a theory, but I feel like in, in those moments, in the moments of those things happening. Um, so for me, for example, you said it was your dad. So I'll, I'll also share that it was my grandmother. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I was the one that got the call from the hospital. So it was early in the morning and, um, I was just, I was actually just done editing something for I Know The Pictures um, and I'm about to head to sleep and the phone rings and it's this nurse and she's on the phone, she's out of breath. She's like, hey, um, are you sitting down? Are you sitting down? And you answer the phone as soon as somebody tells you, are you sitting down? You know, okay, something, you know, something, something bad is about to happen. And so she tells me that my grandmother passed and she gives her condolences. And in that moment, for me, my, my safety blanket was action. My safety blanket was, all right, here's what I need to do. Let me go down the road. Let me check this person. Okay, after I check this person, I have to go and take the, you know, I need to get these things done. And so in that way, I was able to, it's like you're coping through what you need to do right and it's almost like you're hiding in my opinion you're hiding from the pain you're hiding from um the the, the darkness by shielding yourself in okay let me do these things i got i have to do these things let's let's save all that other um sad stuff from for later right now i have to keep my head in the game i have to stay focused right and that focus allows you to not have to process the the sad 
sad stuff. Um, so I, I, I can identify with what you're saying is what I'm trying to communicate, right? Um, but definitely thank you for sharing that with me and the viewers. Um, there's a myth, and you did mention that um, you just had to move on. Yeah, I think moving on is in and of itself uh, a myth, right? People seem to think that if you're strong, if you're really strong and you, and you focus hard enough, then after somebody passes, you will move on and be okay and carry on with life. But I think moving forward is a more accurate um, description. Um, from what I've heard and from what I'm currently experiencing, it's not that anything disappears. It's more so that every day you wake up and you, you still have to, you're alive, you know? Um, but there's always that piece of you that's a little different now. Yeah, because like you say, you're alive. So you have to continue with living basically. And um, there will be good days. There will be bad days and good days again. But again, it's part of the acceptance stage that you've accepted that this person is no longer there. But you also recognize that you have to continue this cycle of life. You have to continue doing what you need to do. Yeah. But, okay, so after, let's say you've, you've handled all the stages of grief in a healthy way. So you went through the denial, you went through the, the anger, you went through the bargaining, then the depression, and now you're at acceptance. Yeah? And perfect. But is it still possible, having reached acceptance, that you still feel guilty when you have those good days, you still feel guilty like, should I really be feeling happy knowing that X person is not around? Is that a healthy thing? Would that be true acceptance? That's a very good question, you know. Um, I, I, even even you're, you're saying that you're still having those guilty thoughts, like should I be experiencing this level of happiness? This person is not there. Part of acceptance is being able to answer that question, being able to be ha happy without feeling that level of guilt. Even, even if you were to have that level of guilt, is there anything bad about that? You're still going to have that healthy mindset. Right. But really and truly, I, I don't see... Um, it, it's a permanent... Grief is a permanent thing. And that's what we... I think we're, we're placing timelines on grief. Like you're telling me that we've gone through those stages and automatically you're supposed to just forget that you're grieving. That's not how it works because it is a permanent fixture. It's a part of your life till you yourself depart. So those feelings will always be there. But again, it draws back to you just being able to move forward and going through the cycle. That's interesting because that, that's another myth right there from my research on this is that people feel like, um, yeah, as I said, grief is a process that ends and now you're back to normal. And even when people come to a wake or they come to cheer you up at a funeral, they say, yeah, man, you know, you have to be strong and move on, eh? you know, okay? You have, to get, you have to get over it. Eh? See, make sure you get over it, you know? And that, I, feel, mm -hmm. I find that to be the wrong the wrong um, direction on that.
approach. But even even while you say about the wake, I was thinking, yeah, because when 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 you bury this person, people come to to your home. That's it. And and the thing about Saint Lucian society, and I guess maybe throughout the Caribbean, it's like once you bury that person, the people who were there sort of just disappear. And I think that when it hits the hardest. Um, this person has been buried. Nobody comes to the house. Nobody offers that level of support like they did while you were, you know, preparing for the funeral and all of that. And being, I think that's the most vulnerable time because you're at your, you're alone. Yeah. You're like, okay, I'm going back to the house. This person is not there. The other yeah. people can come with you all the time. They could only um, stay for so long. What What do you do then? How do you cope? And I think that's where. It, it becomes, do you have that healthy mindset to actually continue and deal with it? No, absolutely. So I really feel like the way people, people support each other when someone loses someone is upside down. Because when you really need people, first of all, let me touch on the whole burial thing. Once you lose a loved one and you bury them, this, to me, like I'm still processing that my grandmother is buried like it makes me feel like yo i need mm -hmm. to go i have to go help i have to go take like remove her from the ground because it doesn't it doesn't seem right you know it doesn't seem natural for her to be underground um so i guess that's kind of part of the denial stage right um i was just about to say you were yeah. experiencing denial yeah. Because you're, you you have this preferred reality versus the actual reality of sheep being gone. So you, you are actually in the denial stage. Yeah. So it's possible to be in more than one stage at the same time, right? Um, yeah, I guess, yeah. Is it but possible? But for you, I, again, I, I think we, we draw back to what um, we were saying earlier. I think you know you went into the, the zone of it, you just had to action things out and then you get to settle and that's when it all hits you. So I think that's what happened to you, if I may see. You're now settled and you're now realizing this person is not there. Yeah. So yeah, I, going back to first of all, I can't deny that. Um because it may very well be true. Um, but going back to what I was saying, I think the way society supports you through the process is upside down because it's almost like you lose somebody, everybody comes for a couple of days like, hey, accept my sympathy, accept my sympathy, um, which in and of itself is a funny phrase, accept my sympathy. Um, but then like right after right after the person is buried all the sympathies kind of go home and yeah it's almost like you're expected like oh yeah the burial is done so now no, yeah, you're fine yeah you're fine so but that's when you need them the most yeah so and I, let me tell you something and just going back to cultural expectations yeah? i don't like wigs the the wakes that the way I experienced them growing up in Saint Lucia, um, I I don't like them because this whole thing of 
you, you just lose somebody and now is the time for you to go and buy crates of malt. Now is the time for you to um, go and, and buy how many um, bottles of rum. Now is Make the time sure the coffee is there, brewing away. Yeah, you are, <laughs> sometimes the lady that's hurting the most, the lady that has been crying the most, is she, she doesn't have to get the burden of yeah, is she does, the coffee. Yeah, she's frying the bakes, she's, she's seasoning the chicken, you know, and the person, you know, is, you know, she's falling it's, apart. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it shouldn't be that way. Right. But... Yeah. But what way should it be, though? I'm just, I'm, you're, you're saying that, and I'm thinking of the wakes, and I'm, I'm thinking, yeah, you know what? People go spend money, you have to make the coffee, you're grieving, and you have to be really being a, a hospitable host. You have right. to be so nice and all of that, when you just probably want to just fall out and break down. Yeah. Like what? What is? How are we really supporting? How are we supposed to be supporting those people during that time? Do we want to just come and drink the bounty, and drink the coffee, and you know, the the good part of it though, I will say this: the good part of those weeks are being able to share memories, and I've enjoyed a few of them that way. The person who passed, they impacted each and everybody's life, and those who actually come get to sit around and share stories. They'll give you the funny stories. They'll tell you what the person was doing all that time. And, you know, just lighten the mood. Really. And I do appreciate those because you get to see different aspects of the person. Maybe some things I may not, because we each have different encounters with people, right? You right. may see me as this funny person. Somebody else may see me this way. So you get to appreciate all aspects of that person from the different um, stories that these people tell. So I do appreciate that part of the week. And it, it does help, you know, a bit um, with the family grieving because they get to see how the person impacted everybody else. And that I don't think that this person should be providing the bakes and the monty and coffee brewing and everything. Everybody bring your thing. <laughs> no, I agree with you. Because at the end of the day, like you you want to place less of a burden on the people and also going directly to what you're saying about the different perspectives of a person or the different aspects of a person's character. I think the wakes back in the day, the old time wakes, those mm-hmm. were those were all right. Those were, yeah, those were okay. yeah. because yeah. my mom would describe to me how people would come from far and wide as soon as um, the person passed um, and they would be at your house. They would not be leaving. They would be at your house 24 hours a day. Um, there'll be people playing dominoes. There will be people singing. Um, and um, on a more grim note, the body would be at your house as well because at the time there yeah. was no, yeah there was no funeral parlor um so i think in a time even, like that, even even then they were the ones um helping around the house right the people who would come from afar would actually yeah. be doing most of the work and helping yeah. them out a lot more yeah um so that I, i'm okay with that uh, if we could bring that back that would be all right so let's but, bring that back <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's bring that back but the wakes I knew growing up as a little boy, I'm not. I'm not with that at all. You know. Yeah. Yeah, man. 
things change. You have anything else, you know? Um, yeah. So even even the manner in which you get the news of a death of a loved one um, affects the whole situation for you. Um, in my personal experience, when my dad passed, that was I was in the balcony in my mom's house, um, getting my hair combed, and this lady, who up until did like to be, I still feel a certain way about her. But anyway. She was driving by and she said, she stopped. She's a family friend. Did you not hear your father died? This, this, this is exactly how, right? Um, and I was just like, huh? And she repeated it. Mind you, my phone at the time was in the house, because like I said, I was in the surrounding. Um, and, and that's all she said. And then she, yeah, yeah, he died. And she drove off. So when I finally was able to get to make some calls and stuff and reiteration that my dad had passed on his way to the hospital. And again, you, you go into that zone. But I had, I, I did not appreciate the manner in which I was told by this person. It was very insensitive when I think about it. And every, it, like, it constantly is on my mind. I think about it all the time. I'm like, that, that was just so ridiculous. Um, and I, I just move forward, like you say. You do what you have to do. Yeah. And I think it's unfortunate how people make split second decisions and they choose to do things in a split second that can affect you for decades and uh, mm-hmm. aff- affect your life and your emotional health for decades uh, uh, ahead. And um, yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that that happened. That lady, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't even know what to say to that. It's fine. Like I said, I, I, I am who I am to be um, because of certain, you know, memories. So it's good for now. All right. But uh, not being able to go through certain emotions does affect you. And it affects you later on at times. All right. Yeah. I agree to that because there are some things in my life where, you know, again, as a stereotypical Caribbean man, you know, like I'm used to just – Push it down. Just push it. <laughs> push it Not down. Not showing emotion. Yeah, yeah. You know, I safe, man. I safe. I safe. You mm-hmm. know. And um, you know, there there have been times in my life where you know you're just sitting down and you just realize you're just crying. <laughs> you're just crying, and then all these things come up. You know, all these things come up, and you you know you find yourself heaving because you haven't cried in about ten years. <laughs> but, <laughs> so. A lot of men, what we do, a lot of men, we take all our crying, we do it now, oh. then we do it again. <laughs> the next five wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me, are you telling me that um, for your grandmom's passing, Kelly, that you had all the tears bottled up from years ago and you used the opportunity to cry under that, guys? Uh, what, what I will <laughs> say is that when I cried for my grandmother, I wasn't just crying for her. Even though that was a huge reason why I was crying. 
there's always yeah so you get the opportunity and you used it you seized it <laughs> yeah man yeah. Mm. that's how it is you know that's why I asked you, did you cry? Remember my question? Yes. Yeah. So that's where it stemmed from. You asked me that and <laughs> I did. Um, but <laughs> for some reason, and I'll share this with you, for some reason, I, like at the funeral, mm-hmm. I would start to cry. Like, you know, your body starts the process of crying. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't consciously stop myself, but it would just stop. Oh. I don't know. Okay. I don't know how I don't know why that kept happening. But maybe somebody else might have experienced the same thing, but it would just just stop and I would just stop. I don't know how to explain it. Do you have anything else to share or anything else you want to talk about? Not really, but to everybody out there who's lost someone, um it's okay to grieve and it's okay to take forever to grieve. Grieving is not a temporary thing. There's no timeline on it. So when you find people probably mocking you or making comments like, oh, since the day such and such passed or you still sad about that, don't, don't feel anyhow because they're not in your shoes. And like I said, it is a permanent process. It's something that will never go away. You're going to be grieving. Uh, it's it's the lo- losing somebody is not something that is so mild that you just sh- shove it off or you know shrug it off basically don't yeah and I, allow I, yourself to go through all emotions that you need to go through i completely agree with her. make sure you allow yourself to go through the process um it's not a temporary thing um but be strong for the people that you you whose legacy you carry forward. Um, and you can carry forward the legacy of your friends, of your spouse, of your parents, whoever you have loved and lost, um, carry forward their legacy. All right. And um, I think that's it from us, folks. As always, uh, you can catch us in two weeks. Uh, this has been a tough episode for us both. Kina, thank you again for um, not only joining me on this episode, but also being vulnerable and sharing your experience as well with all of us, the listeners and me. Um, thanks for that. You're welcome. It was a good show. Yeah. All right, folks, you can catch us in here again on the 23rd. Have a good one. Bye for now. <laughs>